0: Now it's time to cut through the clutter and noise with one of the South's most recognized voices. Just saying. This is Just saying with Jason Scarborough. Jason, what's up brother? You may not always agree with him, but he's just saying. Now let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend, well, most days. Here's Jason Scarborough.
1: Off we go with episode two of Just Saying with yours truly, Jason Scarborough. Glad that you're listening wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, the TuneIn Radio app, Stitcher, and among other podcast platforms, we appreciate you tuning in wherever you are listening. We are presented by King's Daughters Medical Center in Brookhaven, quality care in a Christian environment online at kdmc.org, and driven by Mississippi Ag, agup.com, 16 locations across the state of Mississippi and Arkansas, and we are fueled by Centerpoint Energy. They are always there. A lot of success with last week's episode one, nearly 100 downloads. So you guys, look, you rocked. You did. You absolutely rocked. It was great. Had some great guests, including the Weather Channel's Jim Cantore. A huge shout-out to Blair Bys, my co-host. She's the one that pulled that off. I didn't think she could do it, got to be honest. And she pulled it off, Noah Newman, WJTV sports director, last week. We also talked to Neil McCready with RebelGrove.com, part of the Rivals Network. And it was just a fun show, fun show all the way around and a lot of success. And we appreciate that. So, here in episode two, it's going to be an interesting show to say the very least. We've got a lot of different things that we're covering. So, I hope that you're buckled in, whether you're on the treadmill, whether you're cutting grass. Whatever it is you're doing, I hope you're ready cuz we're we're all over the place today to be honest with you. Let's start with COVID-19. That's everyone's favorite topic, right? So we're going to have Dr. Brad Garner out of Springfield, Missouri, former classmate of mine here in Mississippi. Good friend, great doctor, integrative family medicine and obstetrics. He's got some thoughts on mask, no mask, hydroxychloroquine because there's a lot of theories and a lot of A lot of different things out there, good, bad, false, true. There's a lot out there about hydroxychloroquine. He's going to help us distinguish between myth and fact. So Dr. Brad Garner is going to join us. Glenn Snodgrass, he is with the Nebraska Football Parents Twitter account. It's a group that they formed in, they are in opposition of the Big Ten because of the Big Ten's decision to not play football here in 2020, the football season. The Big Ten, obviously, uh, consisting of schools like Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. And so Glenn Snodgrass out of York, Nebraska, is going to join us and tell us where they are in this process with putting pressure on the Big Ten to provide information on who voted, And how they voted, the data used to make the decision that the Big Ten used to make their decision to postpone the 2020 season. So it's going to be an interesting interview with Glenn Snodgrass. Ken South, WJTV News Channel 12 chief, meteorologist, the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina passing this weekend, uh, the 15-year anniversary this past weekend. And for those of us here in the Gulf South, here in Mississippi, obviously a big deal, and Ken will relive some of those moments he was on air as the storm approached and then once it made landfall and then of course the aftermath the stories that came out of that so Ken will join us to talk about that. Stephen Bryant a good friend of mine I told you guys that you're going to hear from people in my circle they will be a part of this podcast and give their thoughts give their opinions on certain things so Stephen is going to join us and tell us just kind of where, what he thinks about where we are in this country, and uh, he'll tell some stories about yours truly. So going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a fun podcast. Of course, Blair is going to join me next. We're going to talk about some of the things that we witnessed over the weekend, the start of high school football season in a lot of states, the continuance of Mississippi high school football, and what she saw on television with a Alabama high school team. Uh, Their football game was on ESPN, and so we're going to talk about that, and that'll be a lot of fun to kind of get into that, talk about sports, talk about her experience with Hurricane Katrina. You want to hear that. So a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to get into as we launch episode two of Just Saying. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It's not hard. I mean, you probably got... Podcasts that you haven't listened to in a year. This one will always be, it'll be something different. I mean, we're going to touch on a lot of different things. That's just what we're going to do on this podcast. And so I hope you'll subscribe, tell your friends about it. And you never know when we might have you on the show. This isn't one of those podcasts where if you've got a good topic, you're going to email it in. We're going to take it and run with it and just kind of leave you out in the cold. No, if you've got something you feel, if you've got a story that you feel is important and you want to tell it, we will have you on this show. We're going to get into it next as Blair Byes is going to join me for the first segment. We're off and running here on Just Saying with Jason Scarborough, yours truly right here on The Spirit Media Network.
2: King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today.
3: At AG Up, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us or you can build it, price it and own it with a simple click of a button at agup.com. Build it, select from tractors, lawn equipment or Gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it, receive immediate pricing. Own it, pick it up at your AG Up location. Visit agup.com today to begin customizing your equipment or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas
0: just saying is presented by king's daughter's medical center providing quality care in a christian environment visit kdmc.org to learn more about the kdmc touch in caring for you and your family now here's Jason.
1: All right we roll on here on Just Saying. Thanks for hanging out with us wherever you are whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, still trying to figure out what Stitcher is. gonna have to do a need to do a segment on that one day. The TuneIn radio app you can pretty much listen anywhere in the world really which is kind of cool when you think about it. Last week our podcast had close to 100 downloads in week one so hey shout out to you guys for sharing and listening, and tuning in. We appreciate that. So, Blair Buys, as promised, joining us every week. And she joins us now on the KDMC host and guest line. Kind of a lot to get into the anniversary of Katrina. A lot to unpack that happened this weekend. We did have football, had college football, which was good to see. High school football, you've got a story on that. The high school football game in Alabama. So, kind of a lot to that went on over the weekend. So, I hope you had a good weekend.
4: I did. It was eventful we finally got to watch a little bit of college football um we kind of started seeing some high school football and then it was the anniversary of katrina so it was damn packed it was fun though
1: do you have a katrina story before we get into to sports you're right there in the pine belt area i'm sure you have a katrina story that that you want to share or can share
4: yeah actually i do so i was in elementary school when katrina hit but i was i think i was probably about 10 or 11. So I vividly remember, you know, she was a cat three and then we weren't going to evacuate or anything. And then we woke up the next morning, she was category five. And my dad was like, y'all need to go get out of here. This is going to be bad. So me and my mom and my little sister, we left. My dad stayed at our home with our Cocker Spaniel at the time. And we went and stayed with my dad's brother in Vicksburg. His family had gone to Eupora. And so we went to Vicksburg and it got really, really bad in Vicksburg. So when we could finally drive again, we went up to Oxford and my family, my mom, my sister and I, we were stuck in, well, Batesville for about, I want to say several weeks. Like, you could not get past Jackson to come back home. We were out of power in Hattiesburg for weeks, no water, anything. And my my dad tells me stories where he literally thought there were so many tornadoes and there was hundreds of thousands of damage done to our family home. And he genuinely thought he was going to die. He said he's never been so scared before in his whole life. And then I remember finally when we got to come home, he took us down to Waveland and showed us everything. And that is something I will never forget. I mean, everything was just completely gone. I remember the um, the casino that was on the water on the boat, seeing it across the street was crazy. And I mean, in Waveland, every, everything was just gone. And seeing something like that at such a young age is scarring. Like it's terrifying. But I honestly think, You know, we talked about in the last segment how, for some reason, I love weather. I think Katrina kind of blew my mind, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy that Mother Nature can do something like that. And I think that's why I fell in love with weather, which is kind of crazy to say because Katrina was catastrophic. But, yeah, Katrina was crazy. It was really bad down here. I mean, you can still go to the coast, and it's still not the same as it was. Before Katrina. Yeah, so I wasn't home for a long time when Katrina happened. We were out of school for months. And funny story, Lamar County School District is still on Katrina time. They extended the school days. Mm make up for the time lost for Katrina, and they're still on Katrina time.
1: Wait a minute, 15 years later?
4: Yeah, I don't think they're making up for it. I think they just never changed it, but wow. we still call it Katrina time the same time, the extended school days is because of Katrina.
1: I want to ask Ken South about this when he jumps on later in the show about the comparisons to Camille because, you know, I think you were a little surprised when I told you my my family, they're, they're from the Pine Belt. You know, my mom went to Columbia High School. Dad went to West Marion there, just just right outside of Hattiesburg. Mom went to school the same time Walter Payton, the sweetness. He was a senior. Mom was a freshman. Yeah. So I grew up hearing about two legendary figures, events. Walter Payton was one, obviously, hearing about his greatness, and Camille. And my family, my parents, their families wrote out Camille, which is insane when you think about it, but... You know, back then, men and women were kind of built differently than they are today. I think that's safe to say. And my grandparents were like, yeah, well, we're good. So when I started hearing comparisons to Camille, when they were talking about Katrina, I remember my brother and I had an apartment together at the time. One night he comes in and he says, what's the latest on the hurricane? And I said, oh, they're comparing it to Camille. And he, he stopped in his tracks and turned around and said, What? So that's when it got our attention, and then, of course, here in the central Mississippi area, we didn't have the effects, obviously, that the Pine Belt and the coast had, but we still had 80 to 90, in some places, 100-mile-an-hour winds. So I can remember going to the car for my grandparents that came over to where we were at the time of the storm to kind of ride it out. And I remember going to the car for them when the some of the winds started to push through, the rain feeling like BBs hitting you. I do want to give a shout out to people in your area, on the coast, really all across Mississippi because I really feel like Mississippi showed what we're made of during that time. We just rolled our sleeves up, helped our neighbor, and that's that's what we do. That's what we do here in Mississippi. How can we help our neighbor get back on their feet? And I really think that was on display on a, on a national scale during that time. You know, I, I'm a native Mississippian. During that time, I was really, it really added to the pride of being able to say, yeah, I'm from Mississippi. So when I go and cover college ball and I run into different people, you know, and they may not see it on the credential and they say, so where are you from? And I I proudly say, I'm from Mississippi.
4: Especially, yeah, Mississippians overall, I'm very proud to be from here and especially the Pond Belt. You know, when I was a freshman in high school, we had a giant Es 4 tornado and it destroyed a lot of the athletic facilities at my high school oak grove high school and it traveled from marion county over to forest county it was on the ground for an extremely long time and it destroyed tons of property and, and and nobody died in that tornado but it was devastating and it affected so many people and I remember Southern Miss athletes and athletes at Oak Grove and students at Oak Grove and just any, everybody in the community came together and provided for each other and they helped each other out. And then two years later, another tornado came through and messed up a lot of William Carey University. The one previous caused a lot of damage to Southern Miss. And everybody has always come together and helped each other. Mississippians are, I mean, we're called the hospitality state for a reason everybody's so nice and they help each other out and I don't care anybody says I will always forever be grateful and proud to be from Mississippi.
1: Speaking of Mississippi high school football is pretty much back and we were talking over the weekend on text message back and forth and, and then a few conversations just about some of the games that were on television. By the way, Trinity out of Texas, the team that MRA here in the in the metro area, defeated Deion Sanders, the team that his son is the quarterback. You know, Trinity was supposed to roll over MRA – and the Patriots win. <laughs> they knock off Trinity, this powerhouse. Yeah. And then Trinity goes and just trucks this team from Tennessee over the weekend. So there are a lot of tweets circulating about that. And then you saw a game on television, uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama. And we're not worried about masks, social distancing. Let's build the stands up.
4: Yeah, I, I was watching Spanish Fort play on ESPN, and when – the camera finally showed the stand. It was packed. Nobody was wearing a mask. Their student section was full. The fans were on top of each other. I mean, it looked like an average high school football game before COVID time. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Right now, I can't go to a high school football game unless I'm um, a player's family member, and they only get two tickets. So, I mean, I I was dumbfounded. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is only two hours away from me right now, and they can have a packed-out stadium, no issue, no social distancing, no mask, but I can't go to an Oak Grove game.
1: And what's funny is, in an ironic way, not ha-ha, Mississippi's mask mandate expired Monday morning at 8 by the time this podcast is posted. Who knows what will change? But as of Monday morning, the mask mandate in Mississippi expired at 8 a.m. So let's see what happens. Now, here's an I- another interesting thing about a game that you and I are talking about, and you're scheduled to be covering this game for us, which we appreciate, Jefferson Davis County and Poplarville. Is that right? And that game yeah. is going to be played at Pearl River Community College. And here's what's interesting. The whole loophole for those that aren't from Mississippi, the rule for high school attendance is two people per Participant. In other words, if you have a son that plays, only mom and dad can come or mom and mom or whatever. Only two participants, which is dumb and stupid. Cheerleader, dance team, whatever. Two per participant for high school stadiums. For college stadiums, including JUCO, 25% capacity. That's the way that it reads. That's the way that these JUCO athletic directors are interpreting the language in both of those mandates regarding high school attendance and JUCO attendance. So here's what you've got. Pearl River, they're opening up and saying, come on with it. Jefferson Davis County, their Twitter account, are saying, hey, because it's at a college stadium, 25% capacity. So for both schools, Poplarville and Jefferson Davis County, that's huge because 25% capacity, obviously, at a college stadium, a JUCO stadium, Division one stadium, whatever. You're going to be able to get more people in there than the whole two-per-participant deal in a high school stadium. So I'm going to predict that you're going to see more high schools start to try to do this, find a JUCO college nearby, and move their games there. And to me, Blair, it makes sense. It's, it's beautiful because these kids get to experience – playing on a college campus in some shape or form the juco colleges benefit from it i mean i could even see southern miss where you are saying hey well yeah you guys want to come here and play we'll host you so i think it's beneficial for both the high schools that are looking to move the game and the juco's that are saying or even the division one schools the colleges that are saying come on with it i think it works out beautiful for everybody and i think we're going to see a trend here before it's all said and done, more schools are going to move their games to a college campus.
4: I'm laughing at your choice of words because in my head I was thinking, it's a beautiful loophole that they have found. <laughs> and then you said beautiful. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. I think it, I think they've found a loophole in, in the governor's mandate. But here's my thing is I love it. I think it's great. It's kind of like a ha-ha, look what we're going to do. But here's the thing is schools like Oak Grove, or Petal or Brandon or Pearl or Biloxi, Gulfport, their stadiums are already the size. It's not bigger than Juco Stadium. So I don't understand. I feel like the governor should have maybe focused a little bit harder and been like, if your stadium can sit this many people, we'll make it 25% capacity. Because there's no difference in playing at pedal and playing at jcjc J. C. it's not anything pedal seats more people than jcjc J. C. now i understand the college 25 percent capacity but these stadium seats it's not more people so i feel like smaller schools like jdc C. poplarville yes completely understand them going to a juco to play and i think it's brilliant but schools like oak grove pedal brandon Pearl, um, DeSoto Central, Warren Central, all these schools, I feel like they should have already been at 25% capacity. I mean, if I go to an Oak Grove game and it's only two people per player, cheerleader, coach, whatever, you're not even going to fill up with spacing between all the seats. You're not even going to fill up the first level of the stadium. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm hoping the governor changes the rules today or tomorrow about it because I mean, I'm sure Texas is the same way. I mean, Texas, high school football is all Texas cares about. And then for Spanish sports, all these schools in Alabama, I think this to be kind of a little stupid. But We'll see what he does. If not, I think we're going to be seeing a ton of high school games played at JUCOs and possibly places like Southern Miss. And I think it would be great for the JUCOs and for Southern Miss to have these high school teams come in. I mean, I can understand where MHSAA might not like it because it kind of steals away from the appeal of playing state championships at a university like Southern Miss and City State Ole Miss. But, I mean, if it gets if it gets around – Having more than two people per player at the game, I don't see a problem with it. I think a lot of schools are going to end up doing that.
1: Like you said, I hope it puts pressure, as much as I hate to frame it that way, but that's the reality of it, that it does put pressure on the governor to say, all right, got to loosen we gotta loosen this up a little bit. Plus, when you see what the CDC released over the weekend, the numbers about <laughs> about COVID nineteen cases. I'm not sure if you saw that, but basically, yes, I did. I, I mean, give me a break here. I mean, the CDC is admitting. All right, the stats that came out showed six percent, only six percent of the U.S. deaths with COVID nineteen. They're listed as the only cause of death. So the remainder, ninety four percent, on average, had not one but two or three additional causes. This is the CDC's own Twitter account, Facebook page that I'm reading from. And it says 6% equals 9,684 deaths due to only COVID-19. So again, I ask, what are we doing? What are we doing?
4: And I promise you, if you look into that, most of the numbers of people who have Die from COVID-19, and that being the only issue, were older, not healthy. They might not have had any other underlying diseases or illnesses, but I'm sure they were older and not healthy. It'd be like being 74, 75, 80, and just being old and getting pneumonia. Obviously, it's going to be hard to get over something like that when you're an elder. This is what bothers me the most about the masks and everything like that with High school athletes and coaches and stuff is because these kids are, for the most part, healthy. None of them, I would hope, most of them do not have underlying illnesses. Same with the coaches. I mean, they're out there every single day practicing in the heat, working their butts off, staying in shape so they can have a high school football season. I promise you, all of the players on one of these high school teams got COVID they'd all be fine within 10 days of having it. Like, there's not – I don't see an issue with it. They're all healthy for the most part. That's what bothers me the most is they're not elders. They're not living in a nursing home. They're not sickly. They're just high school kids that want to play football. And same with their coaches. I mean, coaches and players can't be out there in the heat working their butts off all summer if they're not in some way healthy. I don't think COVID-19 would cause – much of a scare for any of them I mean I had it and I'm not the healthiest person in the world fine so that's the that's the one thing that bothers me the most about high school sports and COVID-19 is because I know all these kids would be fine for the most part if they were to catch it that's my issue with that I don't, I don't understand, but
1: they never asked me what I thought. So <laughs> They never
4: asked any of I'll us. Just, no, I'll just share it with the podcast, and y'all can let me know if you agree or
1: not. <laughs> yeah, by the way, if you have a topic or you want to address something that we say in the podcast, Jason at spiritmedianet.com. Shoot us an email, and uh, we'll let you know if we agree or disagree. You know, and the thing about those numbers, it's just over 9,000. That's somebody, somebody. That somebody's grandmother, uncle, father, child, is somebody somebody. And, and I hope when people hear us talk about this, we're not downplaying the losses that people encounter because of this virus. However, our leaders politically and in the medical community have let us down tremendously. That's the point. And I got into a heated debate with a close friend of mine a couple of weeks ago about this. And I said, look, I know two people. That have succumbed to this virus. I know two people personally that have succumbed to it. However, one had recently had a heart procedure, so his body was weak. He'd gotten out of the hospital somehow, contracted the virus, and then it was downhill from that point. Another individual was in his mid to late 70s and already had respiratory issues before that. So... All of this to say the big, scary graphic that Fox and CNN and CNBC and all these networks would put on the screen starting in March, and even the local TV stations, the clocks and the counters that they would put up there with the big, scary numbers and, oh, we've had this many cases and this many deaths. It's, It's misleading. And so when you're not educating the public, and that's your job as a media member, your job is to report the news, the facts. Not agenda, not conjecture. Your job is to report the facts. And the medical community has become politicized with it, too. So your job is to give people the best information, arm them with the best possible information to combat a novel virus, similar in structure to other viruses. And Dr. Brad Garner, later on in the podcast, will will verify and talk kind of in a little more detail about some of that. But the overall structure... And makeup, the sailor makeup, metabolic makeup of COVID-19 is similar to other viruses. So the novel, the novelty of it being COVID-19 is different, but the structure and the root of it is not. All, all that to say, you are endangering people when you're not giving them the truth. You're not giving them the facts. That way, they don't know right. how to combat it. They don't know, does hydroxychloroquine really work? We know that it does. Does zinc really work? Do those together really work? Do you need to be put on a vent if you've got hydroxychloroquine? And the answer, according to a lot of doctors, is no. So there's just a lot of bad information out there, and it's come to, it's been at the detriment of over 9,000 people. And that's unfortunate.
4: Right. Well, I was. Very shocked that the CDC actually released these numbers, especially. I mean, it's an election year, so I feel like anything that's going wrong in the world or in the country is going to be put on full blast just because it's an election year. That's what happens. But I was shocked when the CDC announced these numbers. I was not expecting it, I did not think that would happen, especially now. It kind of just proves that what some people in the same as well, Tom was correct. But I'll tell you my COVID story real quick. So, I, I had in January, I had a major surgery on my shoulder, broke my clavicle, had plates and screws put in. I had ruptured the ligaments in my shoulder. And then I have another plate in my shoulder blade holding my clavicle back down. So, I have the plate and eight screws in my shoulder. I mean, it was a four hour long surgery. So, my doctor already told me your immune system's down because your body is trying to heal that bone. It'll take a long time until it's back to normal. Just be careful. I don't know how I got it. I hadn't been out really. I hadn't done much. I've been wearing my mask, whatever. And I started getting sinuses. Like my ears were hurting, stuffy nose. And I had a telemedicine appointment with a nurse practitioner that I go see often when I get sick. And she was like, I want you to get tested just to see. So I had already seen her that day. And she said, you can't go get tested for the curbside or whatever through Hattiesburg Clinic because your insurance won't cover it because you already saw me today. But she was like, There is a free clinic downtown. They only see 70 patients a day. Just go and then it should be faster because they only see X amount of patients a day. So I went. 11 days later, still did not have my results. They finally called me because they told me, We're not calling you if you don't have it. We'll just put it on your patient portal. They hadn't done that, so I assumed, okay, maybe I don't have it, and they just haven't uploaded it yet. I was around my parents, my sister, my grandparents, my friends, everybody, because I just assumed I didn't have it. Not a single person I came in contact with during those times contracted COVID, and I know I had it. I lost my pace. I lost my smell. I could not breathe. I I can see now where older people who have respiratory issues that kind of stuff where it would make them very, very sick. Because I thought I might not go to the hospital, I couldn't breathe. But I had had a major surgery on my shoulder, and my immune system was already down. And I had just had my gallbladder removed three months before that. And I'm fine. So I see where older people, it, it can cause issues. Like I was a little frightened for my grandparents, even though they're in great health. But they didn't get it from me. Nobody I know gave it, gave it to them. So I don't know. I've, I've heard several different COVID stories from people, and most people say the same thing as me. I didn't give it to anybody. I wasn't that sick. It only lasted for a few days, and that's about it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you're better and glad that you're a part of the podcast. we got some pretty interesting stuff coming up. We're not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but we've got – this. this episode is going to be great, episode two. Episode three, we're going to dig into some stuff. Man, we're going to dig into some stuff with the guests that we've got lined up for Episode 3. But coming up next, we're going to talk to Dr. Brad Garner. He's a a former classmate of mine, and he's a friend. He's still a great friend. He's out of Springfield, Missouri. Integrative Family Medicine and Obstetrics. He's going to talk about mask or no mask, the effects of hydroxychloroquine, how we've dealt with COVID-19, and should sports resume full throttle. So that'll be an interesting interview coming up on the other side of this break. Blair, as always, great job. And look, folks, check Blair out on Twitter. Blair Buys, at Blair Buys. She will, she's entertaining, right?
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, you check out my Twitter, just... I'm just a very outspoken, opinionated human being, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, no. but a lot of people don't like it, so if you like that kind of stuff, check me out. If you don't, just don't even worry about it, because you <laughs> might be
1: all right, Blair, thanks for hanging out with us here. We'll, we'll see you next week. Dr. Brad Garner coming up next, and we are driven by Mississippi Ag 16 locations across Mississippi and Arkansas, agup.com. And Blair joining us on the KDMC Guest Line, King's Daughters Medical Center, quality care in a Christian environment online at kdmc.org. We're back in a moment with Dr. Brad Garner right here on Just Sayin'.
5: Before digging in my yard, I always call 811 to have my utility lines marked to avoid service interruptions or injury. As Center Point Energy says, it's better to call 811 now than 911 later. And if I suspect a gas leak, I leave the area immediately on foot and call Center Point Energy and 911 from a safe, remote location. <laughs> really?
2: Center Point Energy invests in its infrastructure to help keep you safe. Center Point Energy always there
0: the spirit media network is providing coverage of sports faith and entertainment like no one else in mississippi and the deep south no other media outlet touches all the bases as we do from the friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms including facebook twitter our youtube channel and by downloading our roku slash smart tv channel spirit live Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts, and stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network, where we're changing the game.
1: All right, we're rolling. On here with Just Saying. We appreciate you joining us here on the Spirit Media Network. We are driven by Mississippi Ag. You know, they've got 16 locations across Mississippi and Arkansas. The majority of the locations, of course, here in the Magnolia State. So, all you've got to do is go to agup.com and check out the inventory, the online inventory, and I encourage you to do so because you never know when you might need a tractor, right? I mean, everybody needs a new tractor. So, and we are presented <laughs> by King's Daughters Medical Center, joining us on the KDMC guest line. You know, I told you guys that I will have, <laughs> with this podcast, I'll have on friends now, people within my circle, and share with you some of the conversations that we've had over the years recently. This was a little different because, yes, he's a friend, former classmate. He just so happens to be a doctor as well. He's Dr. Brad Garner out of Springfield, Missouri, Integrative Family Medicine and Obstetrics. Did I say that correctly?
6: That is correct, yep.
1: I was afraid I was going to stumble over that one. but uh, <laughs> all right. You know, you and I talked when this, we had you on video chat, great interview. It was informative. It's hard to believe that was back in March. And you detailed beautifully what COVID-19 is, what to expect with it, how to battle it, how to contest it, who you should expect would be infected. And it was just laid out beautifully. And looking back at that, I can't help but think, (laughs) should we have sent this video to the White House, to all 50 states, health departments, I mean, because you pretty much said, here's what's going to happen and here's what we should expect. So when you see everything that's happened since March, how do you think we've handled it countrywide?
6: Yeah, I, you know, it's been really uh, disappointing, honestly. I think, you know, when we did the video back in March, there was stuff that we knew about it and we talked about it and detailed that out. I felt like from the disease uh, aspect, we had a pretty good idea of what what it was from our experience with other viruses and stuff. And as the months went on, the science kind of laid out more detail and and all that, but uh, it seems for leaders, um, whether you're talking about government officials or even people in the medical community, haven't seemed to come alongside that and really uh, kind of adapt to those changes and the information that we know about it. So it's been, it's been super frustrating for for me and, and a lot of, my medical colleagues that i talk about or talk to as far as you know what we see happening and and uh, how it's all kind of been handled as far as that goes
1: hydroxychloroquine has been who a major topic of conversation and you and i have, have talked directly back and forth about that so help us distinguish myths and facts about hydroxychloroquine as it pertains to just the medical facts of hydroxychloroquine, who can it help, who can it aid as it relates to COVID-19?
6: I think, you know, the thing about hydroxychloroquine is it has been approved uh, for use in um, uh, elderly, I mean, not just elderly, but in rheumatoid arthritis and different sort of inflammatory issues like that for a long, long time it has been used in some pretty frail and sick patients um, for, for decades. And the way it works is it allows zinc to enter into the cell and it disrupts the reproduction of the virus. And so that's how it works. But it works that way. And we've seen it studied in other viruses that are similarly structured to COVID-19. So that's not new information. In fact, I think uh, Dr. Fauci had been involved in some viral studies uh, back during the AIDS epidemic where he approved hydroxychloroquine for use in similar um, types of viruses. So so that's, that's kind of how it works. If you look at um, the type of uh, situation with COVID-19 where it's helpful is most of the places where that's shown some benefit is when it's used really early in the in the disease process. The places where it hasn't shown benefit are in when they reserve it for the absolute sickest of the patients. And in the, in the few studies where they've shown uh, negative stuff, where that you know you'll read about you know potential cardiac issues and all that stuff with it. They used really, really, really high doses of it, so much, much higher than anyone would consider to be safe or, or necessary in most of the other trials. So I think that the, the type of situation that's useful for is early on, uh, before people get really so far down the road, is, is really going to be the best place for hydroxychloroquine. Uh, but it has to be taken with zinc. By itself, it's not nearly the the punch that it would be with because that's really the magic.
1: All right, so here's a topic that I can't tell you how many debates that I see about this and I'm not sure I'm not sure how much you can really say about this but mask or no mask because in some states there's a mandate, some states yeah. there isn't. There's a lot of back and forth about particularly here in Mississippi about our governor is talking about he's he's requiring the students to go back to school, you've got to wear a mask if you are covering high school or college football. We'll get to that in a second. You've got to wear a mask. And then he's seen at President Trump's rally without a mask. And he's also seen at another political rally in North Carolina without a mask. So, of course, that set off a lot of angry Mississippians, as you might imagine, on social media. So mask or no mask, do they prevent the spread? What scientific data is there to support it or not support it either way, if there's any out there?
6: You know, it's it's interesting. There's there's some on both sides of it as far as whether it's uh, helpful or not. I, the question is always, you know, when they come up with these studies, are they direct trials or are they just associational studies? A lot of times in medicine, whether you're talking about new drugs or nutrition or whatever, um, the studies that they, they quote in the media and, and a lot of times that are used to develop these guidelines are more associational. So, you know, people wore masks and they – we're less likely to have a disease, but it doesn't necessarily prove that the mask caused them to not have it. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, people who wear sundresses get uh, sunburns uh, and people who have popsicles on Wednesday also get sunburns. So the popsicles cause called a sunburn. <laughs> and, you know, it just doesn't really, it doesn't really work that way. So there's not a lot of really good data that it is for sure helpful. I think the The thing that's interesting is there is one line of thought that I think is worth considering, although I think it's kind of tenuous is that the most of the masks that are out there, um, even the N95 mask, it just doesn't filter down to the size of the actual viral particle. So I think the N95 and the numbers, I can't remember exactly, but let's say the N95 filters down to 0.3 microns and the virus is like 0.2 microns wide or 0.15 or something. So the virus itself is small enough that it can get through the holes of the N95 mask. Well, so on the surface it seems like, well, that that tells you right there it's not going to work. And and I think that's a reasonable consideration. However, one line of thinking that I thought was pretty reasonable was that if if that virus is in a droplet, that droplet conceptually would increase the you know the diameter of the mass that's moving through the hole. So it may actually reduce the viral load that gets sprayed out. And if you look at the sort of patterns of disease and what we're seeing in terms of who's affected and why they're affected more and where why you have these bigger clusters of not just cases, but just actual illness, it's probably more related to viral load um, and concentration of exposure. So theoretically, the the mask may reduce how much virus is spread. So Um, I read one article and it's been a a few weeks ago where they were talking about wearing their they were making the argument for a mask in that they were saying, well, wearing a mask may be functionally much like a vaccine would be in that it allows some to go through, but not all to go through. So you would get a small amount of exposure rather than a large amount of exposure. And because it would be a small viral load, you would get some immune response, but not a full on blast. And so some immunity would develop. I don't know that there's, that's a whole theoretical thing. So I don't, I, there's no science behind that at all. And that's part of the problem with all this stuff is it's, uh you know, not really hard science and that's just hard to come up with, you know, this quick a time. I mean, even if you look at, I like, I like it when people post the, the memes or the pictures of, you know, the Spanish flu and, and all this, and they'll say, <laughs> well, they even knew a hundred years ago masks were effective. And that's, I mean, they did wear masks, but they also wore them at giant sporting events. You know, so they've got pictures of people sitting in the stands at a sporting event. And they're all, you know, that was a time when they're wearing their top hats and all this sort of business and stuff at the baseball games. But they all had masks on, but it was a full stadium. So, you know, I I understand the sentiment behind it. And I think, unfortunately, what's happened is, is the government and the people who were making all these standards have set up these sort of paradigms where if you don't wear a mask, you hate everybody that's wearing one and you hate your grandma and you want them all to die. And. I mean, it's just, it's it's really crazy, and and in reality, I mean, I have patients that if they have to wear that mask, man, they feel so anxious. I mean, it just, like, it's short, it makes them short of breath, and, you know, some people talk about, well, you're breathing through, and you get all this moisture that collects, and there's probably some bacteria that collects there, and are you recirculating air, um, you know, that, that you're kind of breathing on yourself all the time, and is that really healthy? I mean, those are all legitimate questions that there aren't great answers for. Um, So I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of evidence on either side. I think that the place where I would fall is if people are at the biggest risk, then they should wear a mask. You know, if nothing else, that helps them uh, feel a little bit better, um, you know, being around folks. But in reality, a lot of times what I see is, you know, people will say, well, we need to wear a mask and we social distance and all this. And people will put a mask on and stand two feet from each other talking and yelling really loud because they can't hear each other with the mask on (laughs) and it's like well you're just blowing the stuff through there and so it's just you know you'd be better off taking the mask off reading lips from six feet away and everybody's fine so it's just you know it's it's just a really silly setup i think that that we've kind of put ourselves into and you know and i think as we've gone along and and people changing their minds about guidelines of this and that, I think it really has unfortunately done a lot of a lot to create distrust with uh the medical establishment um, from the from the you know population's perspective because how in the world are you going to trust folks that can't make up their mind on what's the right thing to do and they're supposed to be the ones that know uh you know what to do yeah it's it's a it's a hard one i mean we are, we wear a mask in my office when I see patients, and you know honestly our our health system you know, requires us to do it, and so I do. And and uh, where I live, we, uh, the city, the town I'm in, we don't require it, but because um, I'm in a small town outside of Springfield. But where I live, but in Springfield proper, they require masks pretty much everywhere. And people, people get crazy. I mean, you know, if you go the wrong direction down the Walmart aisle, people are yelling at each other, and <laughs> you know, it's just. I mean, it's it's just. <laughs> You know, because they got like little arrows on the floor, you know, and you have right. to go a certain direction and stuff. And it's just like, what in the world? You know, and I I, I saw an article the other day, you know, we've done all this distancing and we can't interact with people normally. And the sad thing is, is the suicide rate. And I think the age group that they quoted was like 18 to 44. The suicide rate has doubled mm. in the last six months. You know, and it's just, it's just one of these unintended consequences that we've decided that, we'll sell every last little bit of liberty and freedom we have. If you can just tell me that I'm going to be safe, it doesn't matter if I really am going to be a lot more safe. Just tell me I'm going to be, and -hmm. I'll do whatever you say. And it's just, it's a, it's a scary situation for sure. I think that that's kind of bled over into everything and, and people are just so afraid, you know, and, and they lash out at the nearest folks. So that just happens to be the person that's not wearing a mask or, They went the wrong way down the Walmart aisle. (laughs) Yeah,
1: We could have had this talk 10 years ago. And if you had told me that there was going to be a day when you could be scolded or ostracized for going the wrong way down an (laughs) aisle at Walmart. I mean, you you said it a couple of times there in your answer about how it's, it's crazy to see how this thing has evolved and for a doctor, you know, and you and I have had several chats about this privately. You know, as a doctor, it's, it's got to be nerve-wracking, frustrating to see in a lot of instances, the focus is not on the the science, the medicine. Oh, yeah. How do we sure. get this thing under control? Is there a way to keep it under control? And here's a thought. Are we really keeping it under control? But the narrative is that we're not. Because I know here in Mississippi, yeah. the infection rate pretty much for the last month, has hovered around one5 or 2%. Now, that's in a state with only 3.15 million people, but still to only have an infection rate of 2%, that means 98% of Mississippians are, hey, you're all right. You've dodged this thing so far. And I love what you said a minute ago about (laughs) it's silly when you look at the way that we're dealing with this thing in some ways because my my favorite part is when you go to a restaurant and they want you to wear a mask and then you walk (laughs) 10 feet to your to your table and you take your mask off and I'm like man this virus is really smart because it only attacks you when you walk in the door and when you're eating your you know pasta jambalaya at beret and oxford shout out to those guys no virus isn't going to attack you so and you mentioned sports brad you know I, I think that Obviously, this is where you and I were classmates, played football together. Mm-hmm. used to terrorize me on the practice field. i just go ahead and get that in. You and I, <laughs> I love football. Talk about it continuously, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that about the Spanish mm-hmm. flu, the memes and whatnot. Where are we in your mind in terms of being able to return to football, whether it's college, whether it's high school? Uh, my co-host, Blair Byes, she had texted me earlier and said she watched a game last night. I want to say it was ESPN and said that the stands were full. It was Spanish, Ford, Alabama, and the stands were absolutely full. No social distancing, none of that. These folks were like, hey, it's Friday Night Lights. We're showing up, we're showing out, we're supporting our team. Here in Mississippi, you can only have two people per participant. So that's a football player, band member, cheerleader, dance member, whatever. So have we gone overboard here? do you think it's safe to return to going to Baton Rouge and watching your LSU Tigers going to Oxford and watching Ole Miss going mm-hmm. to Mississippi state and watching the Bulldogs? Where are we in your yeah. mind in terms of returning safely?
6: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the the science is that the outdoor chance of, uh, you know, getting the virus. And then also, you know, I spoke earlier about viral load. Um, I mean, you're in an open air environment. You're, chances of capturing it and getting enough viral load to get really ill are so infinitesimally small. In addition to the fact that, you know, some of the return to school stuff that we've seen out of Europe, I mean, the chances of someone twenty years old or less dying for COVID from COVID are fifty times less than if they were gonna drown. I mean it's wow. so, so, so small. Because of the because of the disease. I mean it's because of the way it works and who it affects the most and all that stuff. And so, you know, when you look at all those sort of things, we've gone way over in terms of what we're doing, you know, in terms of the both the players and for the fans. You know, I think that if you have – the problem is is that they haven't spent enough time talking about who's really at risk. And if you look at all around the world, the folks at the biggest risk for having the most disease um, are the ones with metabolic comorbidities. So uh, a BMI of greater than 30, blood pressure issues, uh, diabetes, or insulin resistance. And, some, and the tricky thing about insulin resistance is it'll show, it'll be there and causing disease even before the blood sugar becomes abnormal. So so those are the folks that are at the biggest risk. Well, it turns out those happen to not be young people, uh, and generally speaking. Now, that's not always true especially some of those big uglies on the offensive line. They probably got some of that stuff. But <laughs> but at the same time, the vast majority of them are not And so, you know, so if you take those folks that kind of know what their risks are and they can assess that, and then they, you know, um, kind of do what they need to do, I think everybody else can show up. So, I mean, if you want to make them wear masks because it makes people feel better, I guess. But it's not – I don't think it's necessary in an outdoor environment like that. You know, but if you say in Baton Rouge, you say, "All right, well, we don't think you can come if you want, but we don't think you know people with these disease processes should probably come and then they show up on their own. I think you know that's that's them that's on them and and I think at the end of the day, I think that's where a lot of these places are falling i I'd be willing to bet that a lot there are some people that are afraid they're going to get it in terms of administrators, but I think more than anything, they're afraid they're going to get sued. Cause somebody showed up right, and got it while they were there. And I think that's probably as big as anything. Cause some, I mean, we were going to go, my daughter had a soccer game today and it's, I mean, it's a big open field. It's a 10 year old soccer game. There's nobody there and they want us to wear masks for standing close to each other. Oh I'm like, good gracious, man. <laughs> it's like a big open thing. <laughs> Nobody's going to catch anything out here. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. The stuff that, um, they're wanting us to do but I I think you know if you set those kind of things out and say these are the folks that and let it be on people to make their own decision and I mean you know like you'd have a hard time proving that they got it while they went to a football game anyway so you know because you can get it just about anywhere and so I I think they should relax and, and let people go to games and I mean they're testing the players like crazy you know that's and they're not getting a whole lot of positives for all the tests they are doing. I think I saw something where LSU was testing them three times a week, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's a that's a whole lot of tests and a whole lot of negative tests, too. I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's for all the testing they're doing, they're still not getting any more positives on any of it.
1: And he's Dr. Brad Garner out of Springfield, Missouri, Integrative Family Medicine and Obstetrics. I'm glad I got that right that's- that time. Yep. You know, so I was wondering that the liability issue that you mentioned, uh, I'm pretty sure that you believe – as a doctor, football fan, that had to be the primary reason that, say, the Big Ten, and that's just a big mess right there. Just It's just absolutely a disaster with how that whole thing's been bungled and handled. But that had to be kind of the guiding force in their decision and, and what they eventually decided in postponing the season. Is that how you saw that?
6: Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have any doubt that that's got to be a big part of it because, I mean – you know, our society anymore. I mean, people are always looking for a reason to sue somebody, and I just think that you know, you can't. It's easy to see the writing on the wall. You just take one one person, you know, uh, to say I got it when I went to a game, or one of the athletes to say, you know, nobody protected me, and blah blah blah. And, and it's, I mean, you could you could lose everything in the athletic department. So it's has got to be part of the deal.
1: You're popular. Somebody's honking the horn at you there. <laughs> Well,
6: yeah, they, they, they that uh that truck came to come get my uh <laughs> my bag and I had to give him the key. <laughs> so, uh, he was trying to figure out the alarm, I think.
1: <laughs> oh, man. See, that's that's the flexibility with this podcast. You know, that's why I was telling oh, someone awesome. the other day is we can do whatever we want. I mean, that situation right there, guess what? It's going to air. Yeah. We're, we're good with that. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> yeah, So So, let's talk football before I let you go. So, big yeah. Tiger yeah. fan, big LSU oh, fan. Yeah. You and I have talked about the environment there. You know, I've got some ties to LSU. Uh, my grandfather, you and I have talked about this. Obviously, he lived in Ponchatoula for, gosh, 15 years, and which is basically 40, 45 minutes away from Tiger Stadium. So mm-hmm. I've got some, some leanings there. The Tigers coming off a, a national championship season in which everything just came together. Everything came together, oh, from coaching players, yeah. everything. A magical season, and now – the quote unquote rebuild starts, so where do you see yeah. your tigers this year ten game uh conference yeah. only schedule where do you see your tigers this year
6: you know i think i honestly I think that uh when they went with the conference onion schedule i mean it's kind of exciting i mean especially when you're in the s e c because mm-hmm. I mean there is no place better, so you're not- you're not losing anything and then i mean it didn't hurt who l s u got added to their uh to their conference schedule with the extra two games against uh, Vandy and Mizzou. So that's, that's not, you know, not the worst situation in the world, but I think they're they They're Miles Brennan, the guy that's, you know, kind of the, the heir apparent to Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. that guy has a cannon. I yeah. mean, and I, you know, he's going into an RPO offense that he ran in high school and ran it. I mean, at St. I Stanislaus. Mean, I mean, like, I think he set like lots of records. So, oh, I did. mean, the guy can, he can sling the ball. So, you know, they, they had, they lost some guys, obviously, but I think it's more like a reload. I mean, I think Coach O is a recruiting machine. And so, like, I think they have kind of, they're loaded as far as the talent goes and getting, getting everybody, you know, on the same page, especially switching D coordinators to Bocalini and, and, and we know he can coach defense, but he did it more in a different – at least at the SEC level, he did it in a different era than what SEC football is today. So it'll be interesting to see him with the 4-3 and, and a lot more of these sort of spread and RPO stuff and how that, how that rolls. But, you know, I think it's going to be – it's going to be fun to watch. I would not be surprised at all uh, if they end up in a very similar situation. Obviously, I don't think they're going to have like – 6,000 yards of offense and 60 touchdowns from the quarterback again. But, but, but I do think that they, uh they've got a really good shot at kind of getting into that spot where they are, they're rolling like, like nobody else every year. Uh, Cause they've, they're, Man, and the recruiting class they have coming in for 2021, it's ridiculous.
1: Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, Alabama, there's some mystery there. You're going to get what you're going to yeah. get. They're, oh, they're yeah. always going to be loaded, but they're replacing that core of receivers. They're replacing Tua tunga They have some question marks with their defense. There's no question about that. Texas A&M, I mean, they're paying 75 million to Jimbo. Jimbo. Give oh, me a break, oh. man. I, know. I mean, he, I know. he's got to be feeling the pressure. And with a 10-game Gosh. only conference schedule, he's. I feel like he's got to win at least eight games this year. And if he doesn't, oh, it's yeah. going to be – Yeah. Yeah. And, and with Ole Miss be, and State, really you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, you just flip a coin, first year for that coaching staff on oh, both yeah. sides. Mm-hmm. You know, Auburn – I really feel like Auburn's going to struggle. I could be wrong, but their defense uh, was kind of what carried them last year. Arkansas, Mm -hmm. nah, not worried about Arkansas. So, (laughs) I'm just not. I mean, you know, Arkansas's got some – they're going to be fine after Pittman has a couple of recruiting classes, but I really think – Sure. Going to your point, LSU could have another season where everybody expected them to rebuild, and they're right there neck and neck with Alabama mm-hmm. for the SEC West again. So yeah. I think we're going to see some crazy stuff. Look, real quick, thanks for jumping on. And just yeah. a, a little personal note for folks that that are listening and, and downloading the podcast. And, and I appreciate people downloading. We had 100 downloads last week, so we appreciate that. So Brad is – kind of my go-to well he's not kind of he is if I've got a medical question I go to Brad and if he's got time he answers the question and so great doctor great friend appreciate his friendship and uh, I hope that you will come back on sometimes and we could talk some more football and and what else is going on in the medical community
6: sure sure I'd love it It's, it's been it's been fun it's always fun to talk to you
1: Hey, give your address, your web address, uh, to your clinic if you want to give that out. And if you have a social media account like a Facebook page or something, just in case folks yeah. want to check you out. Yeah, so um
6: I am on Facebook just under Brad Garner and uh I don't have any huge I have I mean I'm on some of the different social media stuff, I don't have a huge platform at this point. Um and then uh I am at Mercy Clinic in Aurora, Missouri is my main address and if you go to Mercy dot net you'll be able to find me through that and um yeah we're really developing some pretty cool stuff with our practice in terms of uh really integrating a lot of the whole person care and it's been really fun working with folks with chronic disease and oh and one of the things maybe sometime we could talk about is traumatic brain injury in Mm. uh, football players and how that affects some of the metabolic things that we run into and i i spent some time in los angeles last year with a guy that that's all he's done and and uh started looking at that stuff with my patients and it has been super fascinating. Some of the things that we've done with some of our former athletes and uh, I've got some MMA fighters and, and football players and military guys in my practice that we've changed the stuff up and it's been pretty, pretty awesome stuff. So yeah, we'll have to talk about that sometime.
1: Brad, thanks as always, my friend. We appreciate you jumping on with us.
6: Yeah, I will do it.
1: He's Brad Garner. He's joining us on the KDMC Guest Line, and we'll have him back on somewhere down the line. You're listening to Just Say, and we'll take a break. Come back with more right here on the Spirit Media Network.
2: During times of uncertainty, it's comforting to know we have a health system in our community that's been committed to supporting us for well over a century. In this current time, we are standing together, and our bond is stronger than ever. KDMC, caring for our community like no one else can.
3: At Ag Up, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us, or you can build it, price it, and own it with a simple click of a button at AgUp.com. Build it. Select from tractors, lawn equipment, or gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it. Receive immediate pricing. Own it. Pick it up at your Ag Up location. Visit AgUp.com today to begin customizing your equipment, or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas.
0: Have a topic you'd like discussed on Just Sayin'? Shoot Jason an email. It's really that simple. Jason at SpiritMedianet.com. You never know when your topic or even you may make an appearance on the show. Now, let's roll on here on Just Sayin'.
1: All right, we roll on here on Just Saying. We are presented by King's Daughters Medical Center in Brookhaven. They are online, kdmc.org. We are driven by Mississippi Ag and powered by Centerpoint Energy. And on the KDMC guest line, this is kind of different for me, folks, because y'all are used to it's going to be a coach. It's going to be a politician. It's going to be a former player. Not that our guest is not a former player. He's a former player in more ways than one. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's already laughing. He's one of my best buddies in the world. We went to high school together. Stephen Bryant, classmate of mine at Brandon High School. A lot of the conversations that you will hear on this podcast and a lot of the conversations you hear me reference are with people within my circle, and Stephen is one of those people after all these years god bless him for uh sticking with me all these years being a friend so steven is on the kdmc guest line now and Stephen, first of all this is kind of different for me having a friend jump on and and talk about the different things going on in the world but i appreciate you taking some time with me man
7: yeah absolutely glad to be here glad to support congrats to all your success and uh
1: Hopefully I don't send you in the wrong direction here. Very seriously doubt that. So you just recently moved back to Clinton, uh, Mississippi there with your beautiful family. For folks that want to find out what you do and kind of where you are, you're a small business owner right? So you understand yes, a correct. lot of the complexities, a lot of the things that people are going through with the pandemic, but who is Stephen Bryan in the workplace and what is it that you do?
7: Yeah, so I, um, just a quick background, I was in sales for a long time, moved around a, a lot, and uh, we migrated back here to Quentin just because we love the community and we had friends here, fell in love with it, you know, years ago when we were here and, uh Somewhere along the way in my journey, just decided that it, you know, I always wanted to be my own, my own boss and be a small business owner, and found a way to do that. And for me, I'm a, a licensed home inspector. Have been now for a couple of years. People can find me on Facebook under Stephen Bryant, but it's listed as a, it's actually a business page, Benchmark Home Inspections website as well. bench at inspections com uh, but the best way is, you know, just hit me up on Facebook, send me a message or, and, or you can, uh, call me. I think my number's on the Facebook page as well. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, not, you know, rising tide, this all ships, and right now real estate is booming. So things are going well for me. I had an old colleague and friend that used to say, you make hay when the sun shines. So, you know, I make hay today and, uh, next year <laughs> we may be finding something else. To do. <laughs> but right now all things are good. So.
1: So take us through what what, what all right. do you do how How does that work?
7: uh so typically you know it's um scheduled out a, a week or two sometimes more in advance depending on you know how busy it is. but you pretty much you know I pretty much know where I'm going you know, the day before and everything is now integrated using a software or an app on your phone. You know, I typically roll up, it takes a few hours to do about a two thousand square foot house and I'm, you know, looking at all the systems from top to bottom, from the roof to the, the slab and everything in between. Basically to give a snapshot and or a professional opinion of the state or the condition of all of the systems on that day. Uh, home inspection is typically done for people who are buying a home, and and you know obviously I'm biased, so I'm going to encourage people to do it. But you know there are people that I like not to do it. And for me, having bought and sold a lot of homes myself in the past before I was a home inspector, I always got it because I felt like it was probably the cheapest insurance plan to get. You know just to have someone else look at it and and help you understand and navigate. Let's say that most people don't understand a lot of what goes on in, in building science and building construction, as well as all the other systems, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, et cetera. In a nutshell, that's what I do. I, I help people navigate and understand this purchase that they're about to spend a lot of money on or borrow a lot of money to have the right to live in it, uh, and it helps them navigate that through that process, so... Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. At a thirty thousand
1: foot view. Yeah, and I've got great respect for for anybody that's a, a small business owner because I mean that's who we are. When I started Spirit Communications, that was the original name. You learn a lot of lessons for that sure. first year. First year or two, I would say that you learn lessons that will you'll still be going back to years later. You've gone through that too, I'm, I'm sure. That first year or two, and you say, whew. Uh, it, it does something to toughen you, I feel like, as a small business owner, because you're, we actually deal with this being attached to a network, the big boys, as they're called. So if you're a small business, you're kind of looked down on sometimes if you want to know the truth. Until you can perform and really show somebody what you're capable of, show a client, I feel like you're having to fight that as a small business owner, not being connected to a a major corporation, a major entity, because you are standing alone that you fight that. Do you go through that too?
7: Yeah. I mean, it's, There's always a learning curve with anything new you're going to strike out on. But, you know, my wife and I have just dubbed it, she's a small business owner, too. It's just growing things. I mean, you start off with an idea, and, you you know, you may only have 60% of what that equation is. And you jump in, and then, you you know, there's only so much you can learn in the book. There's only so much you can learn. Uh, listening to other people at some point you have to dive in and then figure out the rest as you go um and being a small business owner is, is basically living that out because you don't know everything and when i go meet with my accountant he's like i really wish you had not done x because now <laughs> you're gonna get clipped." so you learn things as you go um you know how to be more efficient and how to how to be how to better market yourself and your product uh how to communicate with people in a way that they can understand on their level you know like for what you do I, I man I have no idea although I have an inkling in my mind of uh, the undertaking that it is to do what you do I have I couldn't do it you know what I'm saying and so trying to uh, explain to people in a way of uh, that on their level something that I've had to kind of hone that skill as I've as I've started and not stumble over words and then you know, you're looking at people and, you know, the things I learned in sales all these all those years was reading body language and understanding, you know, what people are saying with what they're doing and how they're standing. And, you you know, you're trying to explain stuff to people and they're just looking at you with this deer in headlights looking. You lost them five minutes ago. And so it's a learning curve and learning all these different things of, you know, if you, you could probably list out a handful, maybe 10 to ten buckets of things that you have to do. A lot of different hats that you have to wear as a small business owner that would be great, or to pawn off on someone else, or if you work in a corporate job, would be pawned off on someone else to free up your time to do whatever it is that you're the best at. You know what I mean? And so that's and anybody that going to hear this or um, is listening to it and and they're a small business owner, they can understand having to wear all these different hats and how challenging that can be and really how exhausting it can be. And it's all just part of it. It's all part of the experience and and the growing pain and growing a small business. In that first year, two years, you're really in, that's what you're doing. You're in the thick of those things.
1: I'm going to switch gears on us. Uh, You and I have a couple of different conversations Every other week, sometimes it's on text message. A lot of times it's on text message. And I, what's wrong with our country right now? And and that is a multifaceted question, no doubt. And there's a lot of different ways that you could go with that. But you and I align on so many beliefs, probably 90 to 95% on what's wrong with our country. But I'll ask you directly in Stephen Bryant's mind, in your worldview, what is wrong with our country?
7: Oh, man. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> you know, I think you could really, 30,000 foot view, if I could put my finger on, it would just really fall into a couple of things. And the first one being that that people, it, it's funny how, how far apart people have grown in just a very short period of time, just basically over a generation. Yeah. If you compare, you know, we've been out of school now for almost 25 years. And if you compare how people interacted and talked, to each other and one another then versus now totally different and so really for me what it boils down to is people don't they don't love each other anymore and that can be broken down into sense of community people don't talk anymore Uh, people in their own neighborhood neighbors don't talk anymore Um, you could point the finger in social media maybe for that there's lots of different angles and everyone would have a, a different opinion on it but number one our country I don't you know the rest of the world, I've, I've been abroad a couple of times, and everybody was very friendly and loving and jovial and carefree. But at least here, it seems like everyone is stoked into this fervor of hatred. And as long as you have that, things will, ne- will never, ever get better. You will never, ever see progress in the right direction. And, you know, the the other thing to that is people have stopped communicating. Uh, and our politicians don't communicate with one another. It doesn't matter what side they're on. They, they toe the party line, whether they believe in it or not. They, they, they not, are unwilling to have cordial discord uh, about certain things to agree to disagree, but to still flesh it out on the field of ideas. And you see that we see that spilling over into the community. I mean, in my personal opinion, at least in my lifetime. Or at least in my lifetime, obviously I wasn't around when um, in the 50s and 60s and civil rights movement and things of those natures where things were at a fever pitch, right? But I don't remember it being so divided and people hating each other so much mm. over some things that are simple issues. Just because, well, you you disagree with me on X, fill in the blank, and it could be something it could be something small, it could be something really significant but people are willing to just cancel culture is what it is. It's like, well, you disagree with me, so I'm going to completely annihilate you in every way I possibly can to cancel you out. And, you know, that, that ties into free speech to keep it short and to boil it down. It comes for me, it comes to those two things. People don't love each other and they don't communicate. I don't know how you heal wounds, um, from a social standpoint, if you're just not if you're not willing to have a conversation and even and and listen to people who disagree with you and try to understand their point of view, I mean, I've had multiple conversations with people that I don't I don't agree with. I'm still friends with. All right, I'm still friends with them. I'd still go help them in a minute. I dropped everything I had I had going on to go help them, but we don't agree, and that's where I don't see a lot of that. I don't see people saying, you know what, I, I don't agree with you really on a lot of things. I don't hate you. You still come over and, and we'll still hang out, we'll still barbecue, we'll still have a beer, you know. It's just not that that you don't see that anymore. And maybe I'll tell you step first. Maybe it is out there, but because we live in this society that only reports on negative because positive news doesn't make headlines and it doesn't sell ad states. That only reports on negative behavior. Maybe it's out there. It's just we just don't see it. I mean, I don't know. But it just it seems to me like there's just this tension, this palpable tension that is there that was not there before. And and COVID doesn't help things when you're keeping people cooped up, encouraging encouraging them not to talk to one another because of the, the potential spread of a virus, if you will. I don't know, crazy.
1: Stephen Bryan of Benchmark Great. Home Inspections joining us on the KDMC guest line. It's crazy to even call him a, a guest because I've known him for, as he, just you just aged us a minute ago, talking about how long it's been since we've been in school. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're old, in other words, I right? think it's
7: time we, we face the, well, it's time, it's time we face the realization younger here.
1: <laughs> But what's interesting about everything you just said is it's spot on, and you and I have talked about this already everything we're talking about, what's wrong with our country right now, why the tension, why the unrest? You touched on it. A lot of it is no one wants to communicate. True communication is hearing both points of view. I'll hear your point of view. Yeah. I'll listen to what you have to say. And then you listen to my point of view. But there is a particular group of people, a segment of of the population in America, they're not interested in your opinion at all. They want their opinion and their views coming out of your mouth, coming out of your social media feed, coming from the pulpit of your pastor. And if you have a differing view, if you don't go along with what's popular, if that's even a way to frame it, what's mainstream, that's probably a better way to frame it. You don't go along with that. As you mentioned, it's cancel culture. Well, we're going to come after you. We're going to try to... We're going to get you fired from your job. We're going to get you yeah. cast out from your pulpit. And the problem yeah. is no one wants to communicate. We listen to reply, not to understand, not to digest. That's what we've gotten to in this country. I'll go to the next topic that I wanted to, to talk to you about. I believe, and I know you believe, now more than ever, it's time for a revival of sorts. I do mean a spiritual revival. Faith has been watered down, looked down upon, and this country, make no mistake about it, make no mistake about it. This country was founded on the principles, Judeo-Christian principles, and we've turned our backs on that. In a lot of ways, we have turned our backs on the Almighty for a very long time. Now, there's going to be some that say, oh, so you're saying that's why America is dealing with some of the unrest that they're dealing with. Yeah. I am, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely.
7: Yeah, I agree with
1: that. How do you yeah. view the need for faith in our country? Am I totally off-base by thinking, hey, we, we've we turned our backs on, on Almighty God for so long, and now here we are, where we've been, to quote Scripture, turned over to ourselves?
7: Yeah, that is a deep, deep uh, rabbit hole. But, yeah, I mean, it's first of all, let's start with, you know, to your point that you can't deny the fact that the 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 country, the framers built this and designed it on a belief in a higher power, okay, and G- Judeo-Christian uh, morals and values, okay. And to me, the antithesis of that, if you're looking at it from a political structure, uh, would be communism. Karl Marx was was an atheist, and he he was vehemently against Christianity, the opiate of the masses, as he as he it. And the idea and the construct of faith and Judeo-Christian values is it's based on a on biblical principle and uh, the nuclear family, a set of morals and ethics laid out for us in the Bible. Uh, And we could go, you know, we could go on and on and on. Um, You know, I don't want to turn this into a a sermon or trying to proselytize or anything like that. But the reality is that we have a... an almost 90 degree turn away from that altogether and it's been you know it's it's been a slow burn in in some areas such as you know Department of Education but now to your point earlier if you know our pastors don't say what certain people think they should say we're standing on the precipice of losing free speech all right because of that and that is if we don't have the right to is what we believe and then and then what's next then we can't act out what we believe because of that you know for me ultimate liberty and freedom pretty much hinges on the, the ability of free speech and i know that's a double-edged sword there are a lot of idiots in the world there are a lot of, of people who hate people in the world and they say stupid things but you know what the way you you kill that is to tie it back around is with love i mean we could go through countless examples of that in the Bible, but I don't want to get off topic yet. We need to have a return to faith. And to take it a step further, you know, I've I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, other friends over the years about the church in America and the, the churching, in quotations, of America. And what I'm about to say is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but at the end of the day, it needs to be said. And, if, you know, here's the thing. If, if someone says something, and it resonates with you, and and it makes you angry. But it's a truthful statement. that maybe I'm talking about you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe you need to look in the mirror. I've certainly had to do that over the years and say, wait a second, I'm I'm the one fault here. You know, I'm the one being the jerk, not the other way around. And the reality is, is you have just take Christianity in the South, for example, Bible Belt. A lot of people go to church on Sunday. A lot of people, but how many people live it out? Mm. You know what I'm saying? How many people are living it out? And I listen, I'm guilty of not living it out too. But, I, you know, I seek every day to try to have a conversation with people as the Holy Spirit directs me uh, and interject and and maybe offer them a blessing or say a prayer with them. Or I'll tell you, when I inspect a home, I pray over that home. I pray for the people that are in it now, that are selling the home, and for where they're going. And I pray for the people that are moving into it. And I pray that if they don't know God, that somehow or another He stirs them to know Him, and that their house can be a place of faith and love. Now, that's my way, the best way I could come up with, because I, you know, I'm I'm basically a loner, till about the last 30 minutes of an inspection when the the agent and the buyer show up and we have a conversation. But I want, I wish people would just take a look and and look, evaluate their lives and say, okay, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. That's it. And and I'm sorry, but the God who spoke us into existence, who spoke the universe into existence and breathed the breath of life in our lungs, deserves more than one hour on Sunday morning of a rote activity listening to another man break down scripture for us. That's my personal opinion. I don't, I I take it a step further. And this is really going to piss some people off. But I don't believe in the clergification of America. I think people, God speaks to all of us scripture talks about if, if a brother or sister has a word, let him speak it, right? Because it can be uplifting for all. And, that's, and for me, that's the thing is I think we have put our pastors, and there are a lot of good pastors, don't get me There are a lot of good pastors, and they're good people. But we, we've placed them on a pedestal, and that's how you end up with, There, I, I mentioned his name, Joel, all things of the world, right, who are, have found a way to use this stuff to make a lot of money on it. And, but not really living it out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I feel like if you're living it out, I mean, what does it mean to live out Christianity, serving God? And, and really, what Jesus' final commandment to us was to love your brother as yourself, right? And in doing so, you're serving them and you're an example to those by loving other people, regardless of disagreeing with them or not, and serving them. I have, friends that don't believe what i believe when it comes to god and christianity but i I love them dearly and i you know they've told me you know you're the you're the only person i've ever seen that it's just genuine and real and i'm like yeah because i'm flawed man i I mean i am i am fatally flawed i'm I'm, i wear my coat of skin and i wear it good you know what i'm saying Mm mm-hmm I mean, but the reality is I'm, I'm doing my best to serve and I'm doing my best in the capacity that I know how to, uh, to show grace to others, to serve others and, and to, to love them and to help them understand. And at some point have that conversation with them, uh, about Christ. But, you know, the reality is, it's, I'm thinking of a, of a, of a person that I have in mind that, you know, pray often for friends with, see him often. And his holdup is he's like, man, I'm not coming to church. And the reason I'm not is because I don't do anything different than those people do. And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I see your point, you know? So at at what point do we live out our faith? When, and what does that look like? You know, how do you, how are you living out and serving others and loving others? Uh, and then in doing so, having the opportunity to speak to you them know, about you. until we return to that as a nation, you know, and as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, okay, the bride of Christ. Until we start doing that, man, I don't know how you, I don't know how you heal and, and things change from the way they are right now, man. That's the skim in the surface. There's so many other rat holes mm. that we can go down each one of those little sentences, and I'm sure there's going to be some people that tear apart those words, and i would be glad to have the conversation with them. I mean, you know, I'm not I don't shy away from. I say that I say that with a lot of thought behind it I mean I've mused over these topics before and had deep conversations with people and, and that have challenged me to be better and and then I've challenged them to be better and then held each other accountable to to that you know not hey bro good to see you again uh, on Sunday and then uh, I see you next Sunday you know what I mean
1: I think everything that you just said is pretty much what everybody needs to hear if you ask me because this country this world, There's so much that was wrong with, and and still will be wrong, even after you and I are gone from this planet, when we're not here anymore. There's still going to be things wrong with America, with this world. But everything you just said is basically the foundation of how you heal, of how you do get back to a semblance of unity and togetherness. You know, I was watching a movie last night. Richard Jewell, the the gentleman who was accused of the uh, Centennial Park bombing, at the 1996 Olympics yep. in Atlanta. Great movie. Clint Eastwood directed it. Fantastic. And, of course, they were reenacting scenes from what it was like in 96. There's people out in the in the crowd watching Kenny Rogers. Man, Kenny Rogers. God bless yeah. him. Watching Kenny Rogers perform, and I think it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I don't know who was there. But it was just a, a mix, a collective group of artists, Uh, There were people from all walks, all creeds, all colors, all backgrounds in the crowd. And every single one of them had an American flag and were waving it. And there was a chant that broke out at the end of the concert, USA, USA. And I thought to myself, it was 96. That's when you and I graduated. A generation. Pretty much a generation. And I I thought, goodness gracious, how far removed we are from those days. You know, I can think back to the... uh, some of the most recent Olympics where we were chanting USA, USA, and now it's we're so divided and there's a lot of reasons for that. And you just laid out several of them. So before I let you go, and this has been fantastic, I hope you'll come back on. People often ask if there was any indicator when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, that I was going to be doing anything remotely close to this. Matter of fact, Wayne Mackin is one of the ones who asked me that. We're just chit-chatting yeah. in general because Wayne's one of our subjects for audibles, our interview series. If you haven't checked right. it out, go check it out. Yeah. And he says, how did you know that you were going to do this? Like, how early did you know? He said, I'm going to ask you the same question you asked me. And I didn't have a good answer. And I said, let me tell you some people that you need to ask. You need to ask my folks. You need to ask my, probably my siblings. My brother gave a really good answer for that a couple of weeks ago. And I said, probably ask some of our closest friends. So, Mr. Bryant, you're on the hot seat. Was there ever any indication that I was going to do some mess like this when we were growing up? <laughs> um, <laughs> you, have, well, you have full reign.
7: I, I seem to remember a lot of like you singing songs uh, and or doing like impromptu voiceovers and things of that nature and then play-by-plays of, of people doing really dumb things on the playground and stuff like that. <laughs> So, you know, at the time, I don't think it, that it was, you know, a light switch going off in my head that you're, you one day you're going to be doing this. But, you know, looking back, I think you can see it's easy to connect the dots, you know, in retrospect. I remember when you and I had a long conversation uh, right, about, right before you started Spirit Communications, and I was like, man, I think you're on the right path. Not that my opinion matters, but, you know, I felt like that was because you've been doing radio and working for um, Super Talk, yeah, and all that stuff. And I was like, man, that's that's you're on the path. I mean, you're doing what you love to do, and and you you're bringing it. You you bring joy to your own life doing it. I mean, that's that's a noble cause. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like in retrospect that you're doing exactly what you were maybe put on this planet to do. And, and the good thing is, you know, unlike so many other people out there, you're you're willing to talk openly, regardless of the, the ridicule that you might receive about your faith. And to me, you know, if, if you have a platform where you're reaching a lot of people and you are a professing Christian, right? And you're not using that platform? Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, you've been put in that position, right? I, kudos to you for for using your gift and using your platform to to openly talk about your faith. Because the reality is, and you may never know it till one day when we're all there. But if one person comes to Christ because you said something openly about your faith, man, it was all worth it. You know
1: what I'm saying? Wow, but I don't know if I was ready that. for uh, for that answer, and, and I wasn't asking you that for a verbal bouquet, if, if anything. And I do remember that conversation. I mean, I do. And of course, your opinion mattered. I mean, you've always been one of my closest friends, so that was a big step of faith for me to walk away from, yeah. from Super Talk and, and TeleSouth. Even got a job in Birmingham for a little while after Super Talk a great corporate job yep. over there. There was a gentleman in the same building at the time or in the building with me at the same time, a gentleman named Paul Feinbaum that most people that follow sports are familiar with. And instead of yep. staying over there, I said, I got to go back to the conversation that that Steve and I had about, hey, jump out there, man, get get out of the boat. And here's the thing about faith. You know, you're right. There's going to be a lot of folks that say, well, I don't agree with that. And I don't think he should talk about that, well, I will say it the same way I said it years ago on Super Talk. I've got the microphone, and you don't yeah, I mean you no, don't, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to listen you you don't that's the thing you have the you have the liberty of turning it off, yeah, you, you don't, don't have to listen nobody nobody's forcing you to listen
7: right you know right it got it's kind of like it makes me laugh like you tell me stories about people calling up. When you're on Super Talk Radio and requesting a song, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll get it on. <laughs> right. I mean, all right, what are you listening to here? I mean,
8: right.
1: I think you need to the station. Right. Yeah, they were calling, saying, "Let me hear genuine pony." I'm like, you got it. Coming up in coming up in the next five minutes, you got it. And that poor. Yeah. <laughs> I did.
7: I just see him in the picture of some poor of it like forty five minutes later still waiting on it. Like this is the longest
1: commercial break ever. <laughs> uh, there's oh, some, there's still some poor soul out there, like you said, also saying, You know, I never did get to dedicate Genuine's pony to somebody. I don't know what happened. They never played it. <laughs> And I lost that girl forever. Well, if you (laughs) lost a girl on genuine's Pony, might need to change your priorities. Man, this podcast just just took a nosedive, man, thanks to me. That's awesome. Way to go, (laughs) Jason. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, thank you for for jumping on the podcast. Most importantly, thank you for being such a good friend all these years. You know, make sure to tell your beautiful family hello. And every time I talk to my folks, they... And I tell them that I visited with Steve, they're always asking how you are. So Papa Scar and Mama Scar always ask how you're doing and, and think a lot of you and you've, you've done well for yourself, man. I tip my hat to you to change the direction that you did because you, you were rolling there for a while. You were, and it was real easy to stay comfortable and to stay within a certain structure. And you, you stepped out of the boat too, my friend.
7: Well, I appreciate that, and, you know, it it was a calculated decision, and and at the end of the day, there's faith involved in that and and doing it. And I would encourage anybody out there in a parting word, don't define success by a dollar sign. Money comes and money goes, and, and it's finite, you know, it is what it is. But for me, when I stopped defining success by the dollar sign is when I truly found the liberty to do what I wanted to do if you're looking at that dollar sign in your bank account as your litmus test for success, I think that you're missing the point. I mean, yes, we all have to live. We all need money to live, the cost of money to live here and, and eat and have a place to stay. I'm not, you know, you have to meet your basic needs. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the pursuit of riches at the expense of your health in a lifetime of happiness is not worth it. It's just not. And when I realized that, you know, it, it, Totally spun my head to the point that I was really not, I was useless. I mean, I really was useless from a standpoint. I kept it together. I still sold. I still did what I needed to, do, you know, to provide for my family. We moved back from Texas because I was like, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not the answer. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's all because I had this Tiffany aha moment or strike of lightning or whatever you want to call it. So that's my final parting word to anyone out there listening is that you're a small business owner. I'm a small business owner. So is my wife. And you know what? I am happier than I have ever been. And I have more time and freedom than I've ever had. And all of my financial needs, and needs are met. And I think you could probably echo that statement. You know, Then you're living life. That's living life.
1: All right, real quick before I let you go, where can folks find you if they want to swing their business to Benchmark Home Inspections, which I advise that they do? How do they find you?
7: Yeah, so uh, again on Facebook, uh, my name's Stephen Bryant, and then uh, it'll it'll pop up also Benchmark Home Inspections. Uh, website is uh, Benchmark-Inspections.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram as well, Benchmark and Tech. Benchmark
1: hey, man, I hope you'll come back. Let's do this again. Hey man, we'll tackle some more me. topics. Yeah, he's Stephen Bryant joining us on the KDMC guest line. Lots of stuff to unpack. We continue just saying, only on the Spirit Media Network.
5: Before digging in my yard, I always call 811 to have my utility lines marked to avoid service interruptions or injury. As CenterPoint Energy says, it's better to call 811 now than 911 later. And if I suspect a gas leak, I leave the area immediately on foot and call CenterPoint Energy and 911 from a safe remote location. <laughs> really?
2: CenterPoint Energy invests in its infrastructure to help keep you safe. CenterPoint Energy. Always there.
1: We welcome you back to Just Saying. Thanks for hanging out with us as we roll on here. Episode two, of course, you guys have been waiting on this podcast for a long time. After all the years in radio and doing some television with our friends at WJTV, Uh, of course, Noah Newman was on episode one, so why not episode two? Grab their longtime meteorologist. He keeps us up to date on what to expect when severe weather comes through. And, of course, the anniversary of Katrina. Over the weekend, he's Ken South with WJTV News Channel 12 Weather. And, and Ken, thanks for taking a few minutes with us.
8: Oh, sure. Thanks, Jake. And I like that JTV on the first two episodes.
1: I've got a great (laughs) affinity for WJTV. (laughs) You know, when the sports zone started a few years ago, I was one of the first... You could say contributors or media members. Right. They would call us experts. I'm like, we're not experts. Trust me, we're not <laughs> experts. So I've got an affinity for Channel 12, and, and obviously you guys do a great job there. Byron and Melanie, of course, yourself and Noah and Samaria and Haley, the whole yeah. crew. So uh, great crew there so at vice, Channel 12.
8: Vice person, we appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So quick recap, because... You and I used to record weather back in my days at Telesouth at Supertalk Mississippi. I don't want to date either myself or you, but but how long exactly have you been at Channel 12?
8: Um... It was twenty five years the last anniversary I had. Wow. Which was in December. So I guess I'm working on twenty six. Yeah. So that was those those radio days were back in the nineties. Long time ago when first started. What we get all the time is you've been on T V my whole life and then you think <laughs> about it and you know what? They're
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen a little bit of everything because this is Mississippi. Now now you're a Mississippi native, correct?
8: Yeah, I grew up in that. I was born in Houston in Chickasaw County. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I like to say that all the time. I was born in Houston. Everybody said it was Texas. I was like, no, I was born in Mississippi. I was born in Chickasaw County, Mississippi. Um, but I grew up in Natchez. Most of my relatives are in northeast Mississippi, but our family moved to Natchez. My father worked at International Paper, and uh, which was a big company in Natchez. So we moved down there when I was four. So that's pretty much all I know.
1: Was JTV the first job you had in Jackson? Was that pretty much it? The first one? Yeah.
8: Mm-hmm. In Jackson. I went to school in Jackson. I went to JSU for meteorology. And uh, kind of while I was in school, uh, I got a weekend job at WXVT in Greenville. Uh, So I kind of did the commute Jackson to Greenville for about the last year and a half I was in school. And I stayed in Greenville for a couple of years after school. And then for a year, I went to Columbus, Georgia. And then when there was a weekend job that came open in Jackson, and uh, I went for it, didn't have any business going for it <laughs> after only a year in Columbus, Georgia, but somehow I got it. And so I moved back home. So Jackson was kind of the gold market and uh, JTV had always been the station that I loved growing up. So it worked out perfectly. So couldn't have asked for anything better.
1: Well, of course, this past weekend we celebrated the hard to believe. Is it just me or is it hard to believe that Katrina was 15 years ago?
8: Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Um, It's just crazy um, that that was 15 years ago. Um, But every time we have a hurricane season, I kind of flash back to those times and think, oh, no, never again. And we had a close call this past week. So thank goodness we missed most of Laura.
1: What do you remember about that time? Because it was talking to some people that that either covered it once the the aftermath occurred on the coast or wherever – People describe it as a blur. I know that it was for me. What was it like for you when you reflect back to the days leading up to to when we knew, hey, it's it's heading for us?
8: Yeah, so I don't know if a lot of people remember that uh, Katrina actually hit Florida first. It was one of those storms that actually hit somewhere else, but Mm -hmm. it was kind of overshadowed by what happened later. Um, so it hit Florida. It was a Category 1 hurricane, kind of uh, went across the um, southern tip there. So we knew it was going to get into the Gulf. And, you know, anytime there's a hurricane in the Gulf, you're concerned. But the forecast was for this storm to turn to the north, which it did, but then move into the panhandle of Florida. So uh, you know, three four days out, we weren't terribly concerned about it. But what really sticks out in my mind is a dramatic forecast change on the Friday before it hit Monday morning. So I, I remember I was doing the noon show that Friday, and the advisory came out. You know, the the last one before the noon show, and we saw a shift, and the shift was took it right into where it eventually went into, which was, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi. And so that's when we were trying to get the word out. Okay. You know, we'll continue to watch this, but I know what happened. A lot of people probably didn't pay attention uh, over the weekend, which was terrible because it hit on Monday morning. So Mm -hmm. the whole weekend, it was just, you know, planning for the storm. What are we going to do? And we ended up working 12, 12 hour shifts. We brought in a meteorologist from another uh, television station. We had uh, two Mets on during the day and two Mets on at night uh, when it hit. And that was the overnight, midnight to noon. And we did that for about a week, I guess. So for me, it's a blur because it was just the longest week ever.
1: Yeah, what I remember about the forecast track, I remember watching and it started to dip south when it was off the tip of florida best i remember and for just a small window there we all thought okay uh we're gonna be we're gonna be all right possibly this thing's gonna go back out into the ocean and just dissipate and she literally took a u-turn from what i remember And i remember when she turned i was like oh boy that doesn't look good
8: It moved a little farther south, and we knew it was going to turn to the north eventually because it was going around an area of high pressure, just like Laura did, actually, uh, from last week. Uh, But it's, you know, it's weird as it, you know, once it turns north, where is it going to go? And when it started to take that turn, I think there was a better idea of exactly where it's going to go, and it wasn't going to be the Florida Panhandle. It was going to be further west, which uh, put us in the crosshairs, unfortunately.
1: Was there a moment that, for you, a moment when you— You knew this thing was going to be a monster. Did you have that moment where you were like, "Uh uh-oh, we're we're in for it here?
8: Yeah, and it's funny that I was talking to uh, some of the younger kids that I work with now, uh, Jacob Lanier, John Conway, um, and and we were talking about that feeling, and they've never had that feeling before, Mm. but I had it before when Katrina hit. And and I, I told them, I said, have you gotten that sinking feeling in your stomach? They were like, "Yeah, we have," because you know, you know, it's going to be a horrible situation, and likely people are going to be devastated. People are going to die. Unfortunately, it's just going to be a horrible situation. There's just no getting around it. You can't stop it. Um, all you can do is, just, you know, warn. Try to warn people. Um, so, yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, I remember because I was doing the, the midnight to noon shift, and if you remember, Katrina hit right around sunrise on morning, Monday morning, so I was there. <laughs> Uh, uh, when it hit, and in the hours preceding, um, you know when it hit, you just had this horrible feeling like this is gonna be terrible. Uh, of course, it was.
1: When I look back at that, I remember my parents are from the Pine Belt, Hattiesburg area, Marion County, and they wrote out Camille years ago and i remember at the mm-hmm. time my folks were living in texas i get a call one day from my mom and says hey we heard on the weather channel or somewhere i can't remember where it was there's comparisons to camille you you guys paid attention back home in mississippi right, right? yeah so you know when i heard that it was compared to camille that's when it got my attention i'm like if they're comparing this to camille and this there's actually some some proof some data to say this could be right. like camille or worse that's when it got my attention and I really started gluing into to watching you guys and, and just trying to keep up with as as much as I could, you know, coming up to landfall. And then when it hit, you know, I've got family members that lost everything they had on the coast. I mean, their, their cars were in trees days later. Yeah. Their house was absolutely just flattened. It was just a slab. I'm curious to hear what stories that people shared with you that you can share in, in the aftermath because... You guys get a bad rap sometimes. You do. You're trying to predict weather in Mississippi, and that's that's almost as gracious, it's almost as hard as trying to predict the sports nowadays. But But you get some good stories, too, when people reach out to you and thank you for – for your service and 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 what you do on air can you remember any stories similar to that after katrina that that you heard from people
8: yeah there were just so many uh folks there were so many stories like that like i said we were doing the 12 on 12 off and it was continuous coverage i mean we never we never left the air so you know i didn't go down there and talk to folks uh myself but during our coverage of course we had reporters down there and they would just relay these stories you know, one after another of, you know, complete devastation. And, you know, that was continuous coverage for 12 hours. So it was, you just keep hearing about the devastation that that occurred everywhere. And it was just, you know, like I said, it was a total loss for just about everybody. If you live south of Hattiesburg, you know, trees down everywhere. Uh, it was just, you know, completely devastated. You've heard seen the pictures from the coast. It was completely obliterated. And I can't – honestly, I can't – remembering what it looked like at the time with the infrastructure that was so completely torn up, you know, those bridges that were gone, Mm -hmm. uh, you would have thought, okay, this is going to take – this is going to take forever to get back to where we were. And amazingly, I think, you know, it is now it's taken a while, but 15 years later, I think the the coast is back.
1: He's Ken South, WJTV News Channel 12 meteorologist at Ken South WJTV on Twitter, Facebook, of course, Ken South WJTV. That's what I was going to ask you about. You know, we're both native Mississippians and, you know, I remember Jason Hurst. Here we go with the the WJTV theme. Jason, still a good friend, former WJTV sports director. He told me something a long time ago. He said, I love Mississippi, always will. Here's why. Because the people of Mississippi love to be able to hold on to things they can call their own. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of hospitality, but there's a lot of pride, good pride, not the bad pride, but good pride yeah. with the people of Mississippi. And I feel like you saw that after Katrina, people just rolled their sleeves up and said, okay, how can we help our neighbor? How can we get back? As you just referenced to where we were. And that was the thing that most impressed me about the recovery after Katrina. W- what stood out to you about the recovery effort after Katrina?
8: Um, well, just like you said, all the uh, the people that really got together and helped each other, I... Um, I remember doing a story, um, you know, years after the fact that a little series called Southbound a couple of years ago and actually went down to the coast and, you know, they were still telling stories about how this guy helped this person. And, you know, we did this during Katrina to, to help the recovery efforts and, you know, restaurants that were giving people free meals, um, that really couldn't afford it. They were, you know, teetering on the edge, of staying in business, but they were doing what they can, uh, you know, to help folks out in those most desperate of times.
1: I know this is hard to predict and I'm putting you on the spot based on trends, based on how active this hurricane season has been. And just based on your experience, your 25 years experience, can you see us ever having a situation like Katrina again? I know that's kind of a broad question. I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here, but you know, I get asked that sometimes. I'm like, I'm not a meteorologist. I have no idea, you know, but
8: well, you you never say never, but you know, the people that went through Camille probably thought the same thing. You know, this, you know, something like this probably, ever happen again and then you know it happened again with katrina so with weather i mean it always happens again it's just how long is it going to take um and you're just rolling the dice every year it could be two years it could be 20 or 30 years i will tell you that you know we're in an increased we're in a little cycle where we've got increased tropical activity and this year in particular is uh going to be a 2005 like season Mm. Um the the situations are kind of similar we're, we're kind of going into a weak La Nina pattern which is exactly what happened uh, in 2005, and that was the year that we had the most named storms. There were 27, but there are actually 28 storms when they analyzed the season. You know, after the fact, they added like an unnamed storm, um, so there were 28 storms that year. And the conditions are, you know, just about the same as that year. So we're already setting records for the for the earliest that we've ever had, you know, named storms. Um, so, you know, it could be a long year this year. We're not done yet with this year. So we're, you know, hoping for the best, but we'll be ready for whatever comes, I guess.
1: Well, I want to take a second and say thanks for, for jumping on the podcast. I hope we get to it again. You know, you guys do, again, a phenomenal job. I've seen it firsthand. Got to see the, the news. still new to me, the, the studio here. I guess it was back in November, December there with, with Noah and Samaria for the sports on. And uh, you guys do a phenomenal job. Keep up the great work. Uh, hey, let's go for 30 years. How about that? You going for thirty? Yeah,
8: I'm a little over four years away, so why not?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ken South, you can watch him Monday through Friday on WJTV News Channel 12. You can follow him on Twitter, Ken South WJTV, and of course, you can like his Facebook page, Ken South WJTV. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Just saying, right after this, the Spirit Media Network is providing coverage of sports, faith, and entertainment
0: like no one else in Mississippi and the Deep South. No other media outlet touches all the bases as we do, from the Friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics. Be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and by downloading our Roku slash smart TV channel, Spirit Live. Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts. And stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network where we're changing the game.
1: What a great show. Wow. Episode two did not disappoint. And I want to thank all my guests. Of course, my co-host Blair buys. You can follow her on Twitter at Blair buys. I will forewarn you. You're going to be entertained. <laughs> so thanks to Blair for her contribution to this show and her stories and willingness to just kind of pour her heart out about some things. So appreciate that. Ken South with WJTV news channel 12. He's the chief meteorologist at the CBS affiliate here in Jackson, Mississippi. Dr. Brad Garner out of Springfield, Missouri, Integrative Family Medicine and Obstetrics. I didn't mess it up that time, Brad. There you go. Glenn Snodgrass with the Nebraska Football Parents Group that is actively putting pressure on the Big Ten to provide information of how they arrived at their decision on not playing football in the fall of 2020. And of course, over the weekend, you saw where the Big Ten's considering playing football around. Thanksgiving? Are you serious? What a disaster! So, Glenn Snodgrass, you can follow these guys on Twitter at Parents Nebraska. That's the Twitter account, and keep up with their progress as they try to go to bat for not just the Cornhusker football team, but eleven of the fourteen football teams and the parent groups that are represented there. So, appreciate Glenn jumping on from York, Nebraska, on the KDMC guest line, and Stephen Bryan, good friend, classmate. Goodness gracious. Steven and I go way back. Uh, Steven's been through some stuff, and we've walked with each other through a lot of difficult moments, and Steven's been a great friend for so long, and great to hear those stories. Some I've forgotten about, some of the goofy and crazy things I used to do early on in my career, so thanks to Steven for reminding me. Always keeps me grounded, so hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Just say in episode two, go ahead and hit subscribe, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, the TuneIn Radio app, or Stitcher, which I'm still trying to figure out. Thanks for listening, folks. And before we get out of here, you know, we are people of faith and we're never going to hide away from that. So before we get out of here, today's scripture for you guys, and this is something we can all learn from, whether you subscribe to faith or you don't, that's fine. But out of Matthew 20, verse 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think we need to pay attention to words like that in this day and time, especially the current climate that we're living in. So, hey, keep the faith. Remember always. He sees you. He's got you all because he loves you. God created you for a reason and a purpose. He's got a blueprint for your life. Never forget that. So that's what we go by here on the Spirit Media Network. Never going to change. Never going to back down off that. That's who we are. We make no apologies for it. So thanks to all my guests. Thanks to Blair Buys. Thanks to our sponsors. And we'll see you next time right here on Just Sayin'.
0: Thanks for listening to Just Saying with Jason Scarborough, produced and recorded by the Spirit Media Network. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn Radio app. We'll see you next time for more thought-provoking commentary right here on Just Sayin' with Jason Scarborough.